Jesus. Amen. As we're considering the Lord's Supper and what it is, what the benefit is, I want to point out two main errors when it comes to the role of faith in the Lord's Supper. Uh, the first error comes up when you adopt the symbolic or spiritual view of the Lord's Supper. And in this view, faith takes on a role that is great in this uh, regard. Faith in this view, in the symbolic or spiritual view, makes or breaks the sacrament. So faith does all of it, or it does, uh, or, or if you don't have faith, then you have nothing. Right? So it's the role of faith, and faith is doing all of these things. And in fact, in this view, in the symbolic or spiritual view, this Lord's Supper is simply an exercise of your faith. Because it's only bread and wine in this view, and faith then does all the work. So because you have to be remembering, you have to, it's a spiritual communion with the Lord, things like this. Uh, the second error with the relationship between faith and the Lord's Supper is on the other side of the spectrum, at the other extreme, which is to say that the Word makes and breaks the sacrament. And that's true. Uh, whether you have the Word or not, uh, th that is the thing that makes the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper. It is the Word of God and not your faith. So it is uh, the Word that does the work here. It is the body and blood of Christ apart from your faith, regardless of your faith. It is the body and blood of Christ because of the Word. So the Word does all the work. But the problem with this view is that uh, it, it, it can be taken in this way that faith then plays no role. And so there's this teaching in the Roman Catholic Church, ex opera operato, which means for the work worked. So it doesn't matter if you have faith or not, you just come and receive the Lord's Supper. Uh, just by doing that, just by going through the act and the motion, that's enough. So faith plays no role. So here's the two extremes. On the one extreme, you say faith does everything and makes the Lord's Supper what it is. And on the other hand, you say, well, faith does nothing and it plays no role in the reception of the Lord's Supper. So you have the symbolic and spiritual view that it is only a spiritual eating and that faith alone is required. And then on the other side, you have the real presence that Christ himself is truly present in his body and his blood for you. And, but you don't need faith. Just the physical eating and the word alone is sufficient. Now, the truth here is in the middle. That the role of faith in the Lord's Supper is this. Is that when you receive the Lord's Supper, there are in fact two kinds of eating. There is first the physical eating. You are receiving in your mouth the consecrated bread and wine, the body and blood of Christ in your mouth. And... And you're receiving the body and blood of Christ, not because of anything you have done, but because it is the Lord's word that makes it so. And there's a Latin word for this, or phrase, we call it the manducatio oralis. That is, what you receive into your mouth and on your lips is indeed the very body and blood of Christ, regardless of your faith. It is because of the word. So the reality is, is that this physical eating is something anybody can do. Anyone can do this, anyone with a mouth 
can receive, open their mouth and eat the Lord's Supper. But it is the second eating, which is a spiritual eating, that is unique. The spiritual eating of the Lord's Supper is faith. This is something only that a Christian can do. Uh, Those who are catechized or taught can do this. So, we have this reality, that the Word of God makes the sacrament. It, it is the thing that makes bread and wine the very body and blood of Christ. And it is only through the Word. It is not faith. It is not the will of the person. It's not the work of the pastor. It's not the work of the individual. It's not the work of the church. Not even an angel from heaven could make bread and wine the body and blood of Christ. Only the Word of God can do this. So it is indeed the the word alone uh, that makes the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper. Faith does nothing to make the bread, to make Christ present in the bread. Faith doesn't change or affect anything, uh, and faith isn't necessary to make the Lord's Supper what it is. Uh, Regarding the Verba Domini, this is something I've referred to before and preached on in an earlier sermon. The Lord's Supper doesn't become the Lord's Supper when you receive it. The Lord's Supper becomes the Lord's Supper when the Word of God is spoken over it. So it's not that the Lord's Supper becomes Christ's body and blood when you line up here to receive it, but rather here when the Word is spoken over it. Uh, That's when the Lord's Supper is what it is. It is because of the Word and not the one who receives it. And it's not uh, the faith that does anything about this. So that's about the Word and the Lord's Supper, that the Word has this role and does all these things. But on the other hand, we have faith. And faith doesn't make the Lord's Supper, but faith does receive the Lord's Supper. It believes in the promise, and it trusts in the Word, and it receives the benefit. So faith eats uh, spiritually when it apprehends the Word of God. So no mouth or body uh, alone can receive the forgiveness of sins. Uh, This is apprehended uh, through faith. It is received by faith in the heart. So faith then in this regard is indeed necessary because you have to have faith in the words given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Your mouth can't believe those words. uh, Only your heart, your soul. So... To put this all together, uh, to simplify it, when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we eat in two ways. We eat physically and we eat spiritually. Physically, we open our mouth and we receive bread and wine and we receive the very body and blood of Christ. And spiritually, internally, invisibly, our heart is feasting on the Lord and receiving Him, receiving the forgiveness of sins at the same time. So we receive Christ. Uh, his true body and blood into our mouth, and at the same time we receive the forgiveness of sins in the heart. Um, so the question is, well, where is this in the Bible? Well, the physical eating we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and in St. Paul, uh, his letter to the first, uh, first letter to the Corinthians, where Christ simply says, take and eat. So this is the physical eating. But the spiritual eating happens in what we see in the scriptures in John chapter 6. So I'm going to read this section to you, this portion of Scripture, so that you would then see this is how the Lord speaks of uh, 
of his body and his blood, of, of uh, feasting on him in faith. <clears throat> so John chapter 6, starting at verse 22, he says, On the next day, the crowd which stood on the other side of the sea, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, um, they saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. And other uh, small boats came to where he was. Okay. Uh, then Jesus said this after the crowds followed him. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw, uh, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What should we do so that we may do the works of God? So that we may work the works of God. And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you uh, do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Moses has not given you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now this is the will of him who sent me, that, all, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Therefore, this next section says, Therefore the Jews were grumbling about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does He now say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus said and, uh, answered and said to them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven so that, no, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, that is of me, he will live forever. And also the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. 
He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And he who eats of my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. This section here, after the feeding of the 5,000, when Jesus teaches this, uh, he uses this uh, feeding and then points to himself as the true bread of life that sustains them, not just for the rest of this life, but unto eternal life. And he talks repeatedly about belief, about faith, about trust in him. It is not about a physical eating here in John 6, but about a spiritual eating, uh, that all who eat of him uh, will have eternal life. And there's no life in the one who does not partake of him spiritually in this way. So the point is this, is that here we have in the scriptures the physical eating uh, of the Lord's Supper, but then also the spiritual eating of Christ, which is faith. The main point and the question for today is this, how can the bodily eating and drinking do such great things? How is it that eating bread and wine wipes away all of your sins and guilt? Well, Luther says it in a small catechism. He says, certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, the forgiveness of sins. So what does this mean for you? That it means that with your mouth you receive the very body and blood of Christ, and with your heart, with faith, you receive the benefit, that is the forgiveness of sins. So what does that mean? It means pay attention to the Word. It means listen to the Word and believe it. It means don't daydream or just go through the motions when you receive the Lord's Supper. Uh, Don't come and receive the Lord's Supper mindlessly or irreverently. There are two kinds of eating, and you ought to eat not only with your mouth, which is what you ought to do, but you ought to eat also with your heart. That is through faith. That is paying attention to the word and believing that by it you receive the very forgiveness of sins. So you receive into your mouth not just bread and wine, but the very body and blood of him who bore your sins and your guilt. The one who was beaten and flogged. The one who was suffered, uh, who suffered, who died and resurrected for you. And at the same time, you receive into your heart not just a memory or an image or a symbol Uh, but the very forgiveness of sins that he won for you, that he accomplished on the cross, that he gives in his resurrection, the one who made satisfaction for all sins of the entire world. Here in the Lord's Supper, you receive the one who reconciled all sinners to God and who then brings righteousness to you. When you partake of the Lord's Supper, as you will this Sunday again, you receive it with your mouth and with your heart in faith. You aren't simply being reminded of what Jesus did for you. God delivers himself to you. And he gives you faith. And he strengthens it. This is how God brings his atoning work 
to you. So you take and you eat it and you believe it because it is Christ's body and blood which is given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.